We are The Table, and we are so glad that you have taken time out of your week to join us. Here at The Table, it is our hope to move you forward in life and faith over the course of this message. At The Table, we do things just a bit differently. We pose questions in real time, and we want to give you some time to wrestle with those questions as well. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope that this message moves you forward. All about focusing on the things that we having an attitude of gratitude, having a thought of thankfulness. One of the things we've added, if you haven't noticed, is in the hall, our, our children, they have actually put up in the hall a place that you could actually write just a shout out to someone or something that you're thankful for. You can write it on a sticky note and put it right on the wall because we want to understand, to always be tapped in to the things we're thankful for. See, I know that no matter what is going on, it could always be worse. Maybe you don't know that yet. Maybe you're so caught up in whatever you're in right now. Or maybe it feels like worse would be better. So I want to encourage you today, and we're going to encourage you through this series to go to the Word of God, to look at what happens and what the Word is saying about thanksgiving. Amen? Amen. So let us jump right into the Scriptures. We're going to go into Philippians, the fourth chapter, and I'm going to start with chapter, or verse number 10 through verse number 14. Okay, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It'll be on the screens there, but I want you to jot this down. I want you to go back to it. As I was reading and going back through this, even up until this morning, there are a couple points that the Holy Spirit kept reminding me, make sure we get this. And so it's a familiar text, but it's something that the Lord revealed to me as we can't miss this today. Amen? Amen. So Philippians, the fourth chapter, starting at verse number 10, and it reads, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned about me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I ever, not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned that the secret of living in every situation, whether it is a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulties. I love this text because it's something that We've all heard, we've all read, specifically the 13th verse. But before we get to the 13th verse, I want to start by how Paul is opening this letter, because we all have so much to be thankful for, and Paul does something that's extremely important for us to do. And Paul acknowledges the church in Philippi. He's writing a letter, and he's telling them, thank you for all the things that you've done. He starts by simply acknowledging what other people have done for him. So I want you to just 
do this exercise with me. We're going to take about 10 seconds for you to just think of something over your lifetime that someone has done for you, and then I want you to think about how it made you feel. Just take a couple seconds. Think about someone, something that someone did for you, and then think about how it made you feel. And when you got that thought, just give me a thumbs up. All right. Is there anybody who would like to share? Not who did it, not when, not the chronological order of the relationship of you and the person, but just what was done and how it made you feel. Is there anybody who would just like to share? Yep. Amen. So if you didn't hear her, Lisa says, many of you know, she was in a, her and her husband were in an accident in the summer. And she said, because of that accident, as intense as it was, what God allowed them to experience was the love of people. So through her accidents, there were acts of kindness that allowed her to see that she was truly loved by others. Is there anybody else that wants to share? Ms. Kathy? Amen. Did everybody hear that? A time of need, terminal illness for loved ones. People, again, just cared. They came around and they did things that made Kathy feel seen, feel appreciated, felt loved. Something very interesting about both of those examples, because... The thing I want us to think about is this. It's easy to acknowledge and be thankful when something is given to us. But the real question about Thanksgiving is this. Can we be content when we don't receive anything? It's real easy for us to connect when somebody does something for us and they make us feel loved, they make us feel seen. When they do something or we receive something, it's way easy then to be thankful, to have a thankful spirit, to have a thankful heart, because you know what? I'm receiving something in the physical, or, you know, however, I'm getting something out of it. So I feel thankful. 
Paul, in our text, though, he does something very interesting. The first thing he does is acknowledges in his thank you in verse number 10. But in verse number 11 and 12, he actually redirects and credits God. Let's go back to the verses. He says in verse number 10, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. My question is, is he acknowledging or being thankful for their gifts or their concern? What is he saying thank you for? He's actually thanking God for others having a thought and a concern about his well-being, not for what it is they actually did. Have you ever gotten a gift that you don't need? Ooh, the laughs and the faces in here. And you know what's funny about that question? I knew that this was going to happen. I'm not going to point you out of who it is. There's, there's a couple of faces in here where everybody else is laughing and saying, uh-huh. There's one or two or maybe three people in here who have a blank face like, no, that never happens. Can I tell you today that the reason it's never happened is because you are the giver of things that people don't need. Can I help you today? You are the reason, the, re the reason you're not in on the joke is because you're the person who keeps giving people stuff that they don't need. And if you go to their house and look at the one drawer they always stand in front of when you come over, all of your junk is in that drawer. Amen. I don't mean to poke fun at you, but that's why you're not laughing. Can I tell you, because it's in the heart, because it's in my heart, I love y'all, and y'all are so generous, and it hasn't happened yet. I hope it don't happen. But fruitcake... I don't want it. I don't want it. It's plenty of people y'all cook, y'all offer, y'all so sweet. You write me notes, you bake me stuff. But your fruitcakes, keep them. They're weird. I don't understand it. My, my grandma was a nurse, and my mom, she was the vice president of a manufacturing company for a long time, and some of her friends and some of her colleagues, they would send her home at this time of year with baskets, and they would have candy, and they would have, like, like cheese trays and stuff in them, and that was great, but there was always somebody in the office that gave her a brick of fruitcake, and it was so disappointing, and I know what you're thinking. Again, if you ain't laughing, if you're not in on the joke, it might be you. But here's what I want you to understand. I know you're thinking, I'm only saying it because I haven't tasted your, your mother's famous recipe for the fruitcake. Because they got a special different fruitcake. I don't want the fruitcake. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I promise you this is part of the sermon. I promise, I promise, I promise. Because here, here's, here's, here's what I'm telling you. 
we have to acknowledge, and what this text what shows us, and what Paul is saying in his letter of thanksgiving, we have to acknowledge that we have to focus on someone's intent. And if we focus on intent, then there is less interpretation of their actions. If we focus on the intent, like your fruitcake, it's not about that I, whether I like fruitcake or not. What I need to understand is your intent when you was mixing in or doing whatever you was doing to make that thing and turn it into that thing and look weird and smell weird with them weird dried fruit things that I don't even eat when they're not dehydrated. When you, uh, the heart of what you did and the intent of why you did it is the thing that I can be thankful for because you didn't have to do it. It wasn't about what I received. It's not about what we receive. Paul thanks God because there is people who have a concern for his well-being. He starts by saying, I thank God that you were concerned about me and always concerned about me even when you couldn't do something for me. And this kind of struck me because I thought, isn't this interesting when we're talking about what we're thankful for? We are always trying to find out. We're trying to look for something to be thankful for when it's right in front of our face. There's so many things not that somebody did or not, that was the outcome. It was because we have, to imp we have to understand that the action, the outcome, and the results in our lives belong to God. The outcomes belong to him. What do I mean? Well, if we don't understand that the outcomes or what comes of it or what we get or what we receive, if we don't understand that, then sometimes we have expectations of people and we give credit to people when the expectation should be on God. Is there a situation in your life where you have such a high expectation of what people can give to you, add to you, do for you, make you feel, see you, validate you? You're looking for all of that in people. But that's only an expectation that you ought to have for God. Could it be, could it be that we give too much credit to people when the credit actually belongs to God? So here you are unhappy because he left. Your happiness should have never been wrapped up in the fruitcake. Do you understand what I'm telling you? You have to catch this. Paul is making it very clear in this, in this thank you. He said, wait a second. There are some, 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 some things that I'm thankful for that have nothing to do with what you did or didn't do. And I, I think it's very interesting because when we get to the 13th verse, this is the one we pulled. This is the big gun. This is the big gun we all tap into. I used to coach elementary school and middle school basketball, and this was actually even one of my chants. It was one of my favorite things. We're going to try it out and see if y'all can catch on. We would put our hands in a circle, and I would have all the little kids put their hands in a circle, and our chant would go like this. I would have my team captain say, we can do, 
And then they, everybody will repeat, we can do. And then the captain will say, we can do. And then the team will say, we can do. And then we will finish with all things in Christ that strengthens us. It was so cool because we would go to these different schools and we would put our hands in there and that would be the way that we started our games. We can do, we can do, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Yes, now let's go get this win. And then we would lose by 15. Sometimes. But this doesn't compute because what we do is we tap into this text, we tap into this scripture because we apply it as a rebuttal for what something, when something didn't happen or when we need an extra boost, kind of like Popeye spinach. We're like, oh man, it's rough, it's tough, it's hard. And then we look in the mirror and we say, you know what? But I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And we use this text as a rebuttal to gas us up or to hype us up or to give us the strength in the moment to overcome something. And guess what happens when all of a sudden we don't win even though we chanted it and we prayed it and we said it and we believe it. What the problem is, is in reality, Paul is saying this about contentment. He's not saying this about the reward. What do I mean? Paul is not saying I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me so I can put up this thing and I can come out on top and I can win. He's actually saying, no, I can deal with all things, every situation, whether I win or if I lose, whether I got it or if I don't, whether I'm starving or if I'm full, whether I got money or if I don't, no matter what is happening to me, I can deal with it because I have Christ that gives me strength. That changes everything. So I don't know if you're in here and that is your slogan, that is your model, because you're like, Ugh. And that's what you use to, to power up and be ready for a situation. But that's not what Paul is saying. What he's saying is, no matter what my circumstances, because I got Jesus, because the outcome belongs to the Lord, who will give me strength to deal with what it is. The outcome of every Situation belongs to the Lord. My well-being belongs to the Lord. Whether I win or if I lose, I belong to the Lord. Regardless of what it looks like, the Lord shall provide, so I will have it, and he will sustain me when I don't. The same goes for, for you. What I need, he gives me, and guess what? What you need, he will give you. Oh, oh, but, but what about the times when you desire an outcome and there's nothing that you can do about it? What about the times when there's something that you got a problem with and there's nothing you can do about it? It's nothing mom or dad can do about it. There's nothing family or friends can do about it. There's nothing the pastors can do about it. That thing is there, and everybody you know, there's nothing they can do about it. And the only chance of intervention is God. 
So here's my question that I want you to think about. Whether that thing changes or not, does it make him any less God? See, I think sometimes we get things twisted because we preach God, we preach Jesus, we talk about the Holy Spirit, and I think sometimes we fluctuate in our spiritual maturity, and then we think when something doesn't go our way, or if it doesn't turn around, somehow God has the problem, or God doesn't want it for us, or whatever the case is. I've actually even heard people preach to people and say, look, your faith ain't strong enough if it didn't happen for you. But the question becomes, is he any less God because it doesn't change? And and I, the thing I think about, every time I think about the desperation of needing a change, my mind goes to the book of Daniel in the third chapter, where we talk about the three Hebrew boys, Shad, Shaq, and A.B. Sometimes I shorten stuff just so I can make it make sense in my cultural context. Shadrach. Meshach and the Abednego. Sidebar in my cultural context, I tend to have nicknames for a lot of people, so A, B, a bit. In the story of the three Hebrew boys, <clears throat> excuse me, King Nebuchadnezzar has his gold statue, and he wants everybody to now worship the gold statue. He's saying, look, this is, this is the God that I want everybody to worship. He goes out his way to make sure, hey, you're going to do this. You're going to worship this. You're going to go through it. And, and, and Shad, Shaq, and A.B., they say, Nebuchadnezzar, they say this in verse number 17. He says this. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, because that was the punishment, if you're not going to worship this statue, we're going to throw you in this fiery furnace, and we're going to kill you because you won't worship this statue. And the boys say, well, wait a minute. Um, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, this is their words, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. See, when, 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 when you're up against something and you realize that the outcome belongs to God, you don't even got to get up, turn up, none of that because of what somebody doing to you, challenging you with, coming after you with. A lot of us, we in such defense of ourselves, we going to fight, we going to kick, we going to scream, we going to lose our religion to prove a point. But here it is, these boys are threatened with being thrown in the fire and they say, look, do what you got to do, your majesty. Because what you think you're going to do to us, you go right on ahead, but we serve a God who is able to save us and who is able to rescue us. But this is where it gets good. In the 18th verse, he says, but if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that no matter what you do, it ain't nothing you can say or do that's going to get me off of my faith block. See, to be thankful, you have to understand that what's at stake is for you to remain faithful despite. And you can find things to be thankful for if you look through the filter of your faith. So here we are. We believe, I believe at least, our faith tells us that regardless, regardless 
he's still God. Regardless, this is my belief, and this is my belief alone, that I'm thankful, and I am content in my faith in spite of the challenges that's right here in my face. Despite of the challenges that are happening in my space, the people that are in my way, what the doctors say, my bad day, whether I get my way, any of that don't matter because I have to stand on my faith. And in faith, I can be thankful. I am content. Somebody in here, give me three people that's willing to say, I am content in my faith. I am content in my faith. You got to speak to yourself sometimes. You got to encourage yourself sometimes because sometimes what you're up against will have you questioning your own being because of what you're up against. Last week, well, often in our staff meetings, we have a lot of conversations during staff meeting and we look at staff expectations and values and we, we talk about a lot of things. But one of them is we ask the same question to each other that we ask of you every week. How are you moving forward? What are you doing to move forward? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Who's mentoring you? What are you doing to move forward in your faith? And a couple weeks ago, I, um, I shared with the staff that one of the things that I was doing is kind of going back and listening to like old, like choir music, old hymns, old choir music stuff, because it's something different, <clears throat> excuse me, there's something different when you live a little bit, and then you go back and look at something, listen to something, read something, and it hit different when you have some different experiences. <laughs> and I was finding myself tapped into some of these old songs that I haven't really heard since, I don't know, I probably was a kid, and I remember being in the back of the church and listening to the choir sing these different songs, and, and I just, it just was pouring so much into me that I began to simply just say, thank you. Because it was something, it was like a seed that was planted that at the time, I probably wasn't even interested in what they was talking about. I wasn't even interested in what they were singing, but it was something about the words of those songs that was just hitting home so deep, and all I could say was thank you. Thank you. One song in particular came to mind by Reverend James Cleveland and his choir, and the words talk about, I've come too far from where I started from, and I don't believe he's brought me this far to leave me. Now, when you're seven years old, you ain't been nowhere. So that didn't mean a whole bunch then. But when I listen to it now, and I start thinking about the glory of God, and I start to think about the faithfulness of God, when I start to remember all the times I wanted to quit, every single time I wanted to give up, every single time somebody talked about me, every single time somebody made it hard for me, every single time I had a test of my faith, every single time the test scores wasn't what they should be, my bank account ain't look like what it should have been, I had a boss that was working my nerves when I was just trying to work my job, every single time I started to process, wait a minute, but here I stand. 
content in my faith. And I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. Paul says, look, I'm thankful for what y'all do. I'm thankful for the gifts you give. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. Lord knows I'm thankful. But what I have need of, you can't get on Black Friday. What I have need of, you can't get on Cyber Monday. What I have need of, the source of my strength to deal with anything that comes against me, is the Christ within me that gives me that strength. And I want to encourage you on today, I want to encourage you through the remainder of this month, you are going to hear over and over people starting to talk about giving and shopping and all these different things and buying for others and everybody bringing stuff to the dinner table and all these different things and we've commercialized all of these things. But let me tell you, thanksgiving, giving thanks is something that is in the Bible that is as clear as possible, it ain't got nothing to do with a turkey. It ain't got nothing to do with colonization. It ain't got nothing to do with sweet potato pie or pumpkin pie or whichever one you prefer. Mac and cheese, though, it do. It do. It do. It do. <laughs> mac, mac, mac and I'm <laughs> Thankfulness cannot be tied up in what we receive. Our submission to God is not dependent on the outcome of what we endure. Paul does something that we must, and that is we must say thank you and acknowledge people and people's heart and people's intention. But you got to keep it there, because otherwise you will be giving up your joy because they got you a blue oven mitt and your favorite color is green. And they know your favorite color green. And now you won't talk to them for six months and to see if they get you a green gift in the spring. See, it's funny because it happens. Y'all know it happens. We give up our happiness because we're not thinking about the source of such happiness. We're not thinking about where the joy comes from. And it comes from within, and it comes from the Christ that is in us. So this is what I want you to do as we prepare for communion. Paul wraps this up in a nice, neat bow. After he says his thank yous, after he redirects to Christ, he says in verse number 19, so that in case you missed it in our time talking, or in case you missed it during this text that I share, he says this, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. This is something to be thankful for. The same God 
who on his journey supplied when he didn't have, sustained him either way, being content in who is Christ, allowed him to be appreciative of people and appreciative of stuff. But the thankfulness of his heart came from the Christ that was within. So I want to invite you all to stand. We have three communion stations. We have one over here. The kids can go there. We have one here. We have one to my right. As you walk to grab communion, I want you to really think about, I'm going to ask you that question again. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? And I want to encourage you, if you have a tough time finding something, may I let you know that the same God who takes care of me, supplies all my needs, all Paul's needs, all plenty of others' needs, with his glorious riches, have been given us in Christ. If this message challenged you and moved you forward, personally or in faith, we encourage you to share it with someone who needs a message of hope today. And if you're interested or looking for ways to partner with us in our mission here at the table, head on over to thetablejoliet.org for more information.